Good day, I'm Anne Dolinchek, and thank you for tuning into Anne on Influence. In this episode, we're in conversation with Karana van Heerden, Head of Social and Influencer at Mediacom. She's been in digital marketing for the past nine years and truly sees it as her calling. She absolutely loves the fast-paced, ever-changing environment of the industry. We chat about what a good tech tool and specialized agency in influence marketing should have to be beneficial to brands, the solid team behind the scenes that it takes to create and implement a successful influencer marketing campaign, the value of using specialist agencies with big opted-in and vetted influencer databases, why incorporating all tiers of influencers in campaigns work best, and the various ways brands can make use of influencers in addition to creating social media content. Enjoy. This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but do not have a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salt have a database of over 230,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match an influencer to your brand. Reach out to them today and see what they can do for you. Good morning, Farana, and thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. Before we get into our conversation today, please can you tell us more about who you are and what it actually means to be the head of social and influencer? Okay. Hi, so I'm Farana. Uh, I'm originally from Cape Town, but have lived in Joburg for over two decades. Um, I graduated from Wits University in 2010 with a BA in uh, politics and international relations. So not the industry I'm in right now. <laughs> I was just uh, going to say politics. Yeah. That's perfect for the industry we're in right now. <laughs> Yeah, I had big dreams of joining the UN, right? But who didn't? So, um, but yeah, anyway, um, I'm a mom to two beautiful uh, little girls, also known as my gorgeous gremlins, and also a mom to two fur babies. Um, My career did not start off in marketing. I've worked in the finance and media industries before this. uh, But once I started doing my own research back in 2013 on this new age of digital marketing taking the world by storm and all the opportunities it was opening up for young ambitious people I just knew I had to get in on the action so fast forward to where I currently am uh, running the social media and influencer departments for one of the best globally recognized ad agencies that being Mediacom I feel blessed to have been given this opportunity But more than it being a great title, um, it comes with a lot of responsibility. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) And um, in my opinion, my main responsibility in my role is to uplift, upskill and empower the people who make it all possible. Those are the hardworking people within our agency. Because at the end of the day, they are the reason we will still have jobs, right? Um, Mediacom's main tagline is people first, better results. So that essentially means that if you invest in your talents, well-being and growth, it naturally translates into better ROI for your business. So while my role can be very operational at times, uh, what I love most about it is that it allows me to spend time with each of my colleagues, getting to know them as people 
understanding their passions and what drives them and seeing their vision for what it is, where it is that they want to be. So when you know your people, you learn their skill sets and capabilities and together you find ways to uh, play to their strengths and strengthen their weaknesses in order to allow them to reach their full potential. And yeah. Sure. That was a mouthful. <laughs> I love it. But it's so true though. The moment mm. you actually know your team super well and what drives them, you can literally give them a really healthy environment to work in in which they'll thrive, which means the company thrives, your client thrives, and it's just a win-win-win for everyone. Of course, definitely. So let's chat about the evolution of influencer marketing, which has obviously been rapid over the last couple of years. And if we look back as little as, I would say, six, seven years, there wasn't really the capabilities that we have right now, especially in way of technology in the space. So that's really grown for, for me. And I think that's like a really good point to bring up because I think a lot of people still think influencer marketing is very wishy-washy. It's very vanity metrics driven where in fact it isn't at all. Technology has really become such a big part of not only measuring and metrics, but also helping people in our industry. So I really want to know from you in your opinion what makes a good piece of tech in our industry in other words what must it actually deliver for you to do a good job and for you to actually show those results to your clients so um what makes a good piece of tech it's definitely a user-friendly interface um, it has to give me access to a mass database it should contain all the information i need in order to build out solid proposals and strategies for our clients um, it must provide me with detailed reporting functionality. Essentially, it needs to make our job easier by being convenient, accessible, and accurate. So you've you've spoken now about it makes make your life a bit easier so that you can actually show those results in an easy way for anyone to understand. But what does that actually mean? How does the stick actually simplify your role and the processes involved? So you don't have to spend 20 hours poring over a report where now you can pull one in half an hour, say. Mm, exactly. So like, I mean, I think we're very fortunate today to have the technology and access to data that we currently have. Because I mean, back in the day when influencer marketing was still a fairly new concept, um, agencies and brands would have to manually contact um, influencers or celebs, either directly or through PR agencies. So there was a lot of back and forth, which may have resulted in delayed campaign executions. Um, so today, sourcing, booking and connecting with large numbers of influencers can happen nearly instantaneously because of the capabilities of tech platforms like Webfluential. So campaign turnaround times are much faster. If you need to put together an urgent campaign, <clears throat> it can easily be done in less than a week although not ideal. <laughs> We're also able to book a lot more um, influencers at a time and you can get them to promote your campaign across a number of touch points, such as social media or events and activations, etc. Um, yeah, so it's really simplified the process. It's, um, like I said, we can actually build a campaign within a week if we had to, although it's not the, you know, the situation we'd like to find ourselves in. No, exactly. And I love that you said that twice, just to make it mm. very clear, like it's not ideal, we yeah. can do it, but it would be nice if we get get some time. And gosh, when you said um, back in the day before the technology where you have to manually search for people, get in touch with them, 
pull into their DMs, they ignore you because they don't know who you are, they think you're spam. Yeah. And then it's like a whole back and forth. I remember those days of just having literally when influence marketing just started, you have your your little spreadsheets of like influencers that you kind of build relationships with and you just put them on every single campaign because you have have a relationship with them. So you might have like a list of 50 or 100 in the whole agency that's being passed around where now it's so much more accurate to to match those influencers with the right brands as well because of the tech. We've got access to thousands and thousands, which is mm-hmm. actually remarkable that that's happened over such a short space of time. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. So, Ferrano, many people think that influencer marketing campaigns are so easy uh, and they just happen and everything just goes well, which we obviously laugh at because we know that this is not true. <laughs> But I think it is because of professionals like yourself, this makes it seem really easy to run. So I would love for you to actually give us a little bit of a peek behind the scenes of how many people it takes, how many hours it takes, who's all involved to actually from conceiving an idea to actually implementing it to that reporting, just to make it effective and run smoothly so that the client just thinks everything is amazing. So, you know, Honestly, I don't think influencer campaigns are super complicated. They really aren't. It's just that to make a campaign successful, you need to have a solid behind-the-scenes team. So, um, for instance, when an influencer campaign brief comes in from one of our clients, we have our strategist work on the strategy. Our campaign manager begins the process of briefing in third-party agencies such as Webfluential to begin the influencer sourcing process. Um, Costings are put together. Paid media teams are briefed, KPIs are determined, and any other factors that are necessary to make the campaign successful are mapped out. So this can include sourcing a gifting PR company to do sample drops, ensuring that if there's music involved, we get the proper authorization from the relevant social media platforms to use that track. Um, ensuring branded effects have been ingested and are available to use. If the client's legal team requires NDAs to be signed, we need to get those completed by every influencer and agency involved. The list goes on. (laughs) This is just the planning process. Once your campaign proposal is ready to present to the client, it may go through like several reverts before it's completely approved. Um, But when you have experienced campaign managers working for you, those number of reverts, reverts drop quite considerably. Uh, once a proposal is signed off by the client and the creative brief that you've drafted for the influencers has been approved and billings have been secured, we give our third-party agencies the go-ahead to begin onboarding and securing influencers. Um, then we begin the influencer briefing process and content submission dates are set. So once you begin um, receiving content from the influencers, it has to go through a number of quality checks before it reaches the client for approval. Uh, once the client gives the go-ahead, Influencers begin posting to the various social platforms according to a approved posting schedule. Um, and then we also have our social team who gets involved in community management of the influencers' content. Um, and um, once the campaign is live or content has gone out, uh, we then begin the post-campaign reporting. And this is compiled by our campaign managers, which would include the paid and organic performance of all influencers' content. Um, it's measured against industry benchmarks or set KPIs uh, to check if the campaign under or overperformed. 
Um, we also provide the client with an audience sentiment analysis, the top performing influencer posts and in-depth um, insights and recommendations as well going forward. Um, and then, yeah, then it's just paying a matter of paying the influencers once the campaign is done. It sounds yes. it sounds complicated, but once yes. you've been doing it for a lot, <laughs> <laughs> it actually becomes quite a seamless process. I think that's why I said professionals like yourself <laughs> make it seem easy. But yeah. it's, unless you have that really solid team behind you, it's really, really difficult, especially where a lot of brands have like one person who's doing it and trying to figure it out and negotiating and implementing and communicating and reporting. It, it, it gets really, really messy sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's just a lack of education also about like influencer marketing. Yeah. And this is also in the marketing industry, like especially with your traditional marketers. They just began understanding how social media marketing works. And now you're throwing them in with influencer marketing and their heads are spiraling. So, <laughs> no, yeah. absolutely. And I think to your point, it's, it's that education that, that we keep on trying to do. And, and there's no shame in that because the marketing industry mm. just evolves so quickly from day to day. I was speaking to someone last week saying, we've just getting our clients to understand TikTok and how it works and, and the benefits. And now Be Real's coming in and everyone's going, what's And you're like, oh, no, we've just got them on the TikTok train. <laughs> now we're starting to research Be Real yeah. and seeing how that may be beneficial for some brands. And mm -hmm. it just changes 24-7, just quick, quick. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's that continuous education that's really, really needed. You have to be super agile. Yeah, That's the only absolutely. solution. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, Farana, earlier you mentioned when we were talking about the technology and how it simplifies your life, you mentioned that um, it needs to have a database of a lot of influences for you to choose from, but also to make sure that they're obviously aligned with your brand's values that you want to use so that you really do your job properly. Um, so having access to those thousands and thousands of influences is obviously hugely beneficial so i would love for you just to walk us through what those benefits may be geez the benefits are endless um it definitely results in quicker turnaround time since the influencer already has a relationship with the account ma manager from Webfluential. Um, influencer fees are read readily available via the platform. There's quite a bit of data that we're able to retrieve uh, based on the influencer's profile. So that could be uh, their target audience, the categories that they specialize in, such as food, parenting, fashion, etc. Um, their geographic location, their interests, the kinds of brands that they would like to collaborate with and so forth. So, um, yeah, that's probably, I don't see any cons. I just <laughs> see a list of endless benefits. Amazing. Um, and yeah, that also obviously makes your life a lot or your job a lot quicker as well, because you can Fault. input all these into filters and then they're like, there's your list of 20 influences that might be, be great for this. And then obviously the sifting starts for you to really mm. refine who would be most suitable. Yeah, definitely. Um, and because, um, you know, like our agency would understand the clients, the brand, we'd understand the values and, um, you know, the type of um, 
the type of presence that they want to have online. So we, when that list comes back from our third parties, we already have that. Um, we will go through the list before it even reaches the client because we already know uh, the types of influencers that they would want to work with. For sure, and I think um, that's where where humans is so beneficial to AI. It makes our life simple, but they mm. really can't like do those type of things, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, now we're, at Luckily. Least we still have jobs. <laughs> Luckily, they mightn't start being able to do what we can do. Oh, Very God. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down to earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. So, Farana, you've obviously been working with influencers for quite a while, and I've personally worked with you, so I know that you're very good at what you do. So let's talk about the different tiers of influence. I think the most popular influences that everyone's always talking about is those macros and micros because they've got that much bigger organic reach. They've got that very niche audiences that all brands are looking for. But lately, we've been seeing that nano influences are really that the flavor of the day, so to speak. Um, and I really want you to just unpack for us, in your opinion, um, where nano influencers really fits into the whole kind of ecosystem of our different tiers of influences. So I'd say there's definitely an essential role uh, that nanos play as they have a much more um, engaged audience compared to the micros and macros. So if your brand is looking for engagement or even to drive conversion, then having nanos as part of your campaign will uh, campaign plan will definitely translate into um, solid results. Um, Honestly, like these days, we um, suggest, um, we always suggest nanos on most of our campaigns. Is there a reason why they are so much more engaging and drive so much more results for clients? So um, the nanos tend to have um, like proper meaningful conversations with their fans or their followers, um, resulting in higher engagement. Um, so they've got a highly engaged audience um, and that usually delivers better um, ROI ROI for your brand. Um, you know, you can book like a large number of nanos on a small budget um, and still see fantastic results. Um, you know, what I always sort of compare to is that like, you know, your micros and macros, when you see a piece of content from them, you know, um, you know, when it's, you know, um, like when it's an ad or when it's, um, you know, branded content and you're not always a hundred percent sure if it's the brand for you, but when somebody within your smaller circle, you know, they like, you know, your nanos, they don't have um, as many followers, but when a recommendation comes from them, it seems a lot more um, authentic. I love that. And I think to your point as well, I don't think a nano would be on a campaign for a brand that they're not already used or that they already really yeah. like. So it is that really authentic conversation because it's very easy for their small following just to be like, but I've never heard you speak about this at all while we were in mm -hmm. gym the other day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is there any other benefits that brands can get from these smaller influences besides the ones you've already mentioned um, that is really so much better for them than getting from a macro and micro influencer? Um, so 
you could reach um, a pretty diverse audience. Um, and if uh, engagement is a major campaign objective, then, um, you know, nanos is definitely um, a way to go. Um, they're also a good option when budgets are tight. Um, what else? Uh, it also works if, if you like trying to target a very niche um, audience, um, then, you know, that nano content uh, would be a lot more relevant to that audience. Um, it's also a good tool to um, use for targeting lower to middle LSM groups. Why is that, Verona? If you can expand on that, perhaps. So, um, you know, like with your micros and macros, um, even celebs, like they reach a certain, you know, uh, they become more of an aspirational um, figure, right, in their, um, in their communities. And people aspire to be like them. Um, but with your nanos, it's um, these are like people who are, um, it depends obviously on the product. So like, yeah. for example, if it's a household brand and, um, you know, you're trying to target uh, stay-at-home moms or even like your domestic workers, then, um, you know, you want to partner with um, with smaller, with smaller uh, influencers who have more relevance in that, in that category, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. So it's more the people that you're kind of more likely to know personally than your aspirational um, influences, so to say. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to make it super clear to our, our listeners that we are not saying that micros and macros are irrelevant. No. It's <laughs> still a big place for them. It's just, it just depends on where we slot in every tier because there's definitely a use for all of them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, every I feel that every influencer campaign strategy should include all tiers because then you're reaching um, a much larger audience. I agree with that. And usually when mm. I put strategies together, I, I'm a big fan of putting a mix together just because you are reaching different audiences and to your point, a diverse audience if you actually have a, have a great mix of them. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So, Farona, obviously, content is the driving force behind influencer marketing. That's why we have them. We want them to create that really relatable, aspirational, whatever kind of content that is. Um, but there's so much more to it than just the influencer creating content, them sharing it on their, their platforms, and even the brand resharing that. So I would really like for you just to tell us more about what else can brands actually do with the content from their influencer campaigns? So brands can definitely repurpose uh, influencers' content for their own social media channels or other digi digital touch points. Um, they can also have the influencer attend activations or events or use influencers in photo shoots, TVC shoots, all types of shoots. And then, of course, there's an opportunity for the influencer to get involved with the brand in a longer-term contract or have them as official brand ambassadors on an ongoing basis. Um, we've seen some of our influencers' content even make it to TV, radio, and other traditional marketing channels. Uh, for instance, one of our global brands was so chuffed with the song that one of our influencers created for their campaign that they may actually uh, be considering buying the rights to her track and using it on their future campaigns. That's so, amazing. It's amazing. And I mean, honestly, the content uses are only limited by the brand's budget and their vision. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I've also seen um, what, what a lot of clients or brands are doing these days, which I think is so smart of them, is instead of using influencers to create content on social media, they literally just 
wanting them to create content so that they can actually build up a bank of of user-generated content that they can use at a later stage on social media. Mm. Do you see that quite a bit where you are as well? Oh, definitely, like 100%. So, I mean, um, social media marketing has been around, right? And um, it's almost like, well, it's also because the their ad is so subjective that people don't always tend to trust what the brand is putting out there. So when you're partnering with real people, you know, um, and they kind of um, carrying your brand message and um, sharing the sharing that awareness about your brand, it comes across as a lot more um, authentic. 100%. And I think also branded content that we see from brand pages themselves is sometimes so generic that we're all just like, oh, just, just another branded piece of content. But the moment that actually have a piece of content on their feed that's made by a real person, it's almost like an endorsement from a real person that you will stop and have a look at, which is great. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's when your, your macros and your micros really play a role. You know, yes. because they are the aspirational figures, um, you know, if you're launching a new vitamin brand, then you will want to partner with the best athletes. And I mean, those athletes have tons of followers. So, um, yeah, it does. It really speaks volume. No, of course. And I think also to your point, if you get someone like that on board, it also those people really respect this person. And if they're saying, look, they make use of these vitamins, for instance, to boost their performance. I reckon quite a big percentage of people will try it just to see for themselves. Definitely. I mean, I, I think we've all fallen for that by now. <laughs> um, yes, we're in the industry and sometimes I still go like, ooh, this targeting of ads was really good because I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing um, our jobs right then. Exactly, exactly. But then other times I'm like, I'm not the target market for this. But that, mm. that's more on Zuckerberg's. That sort of thing. So let's not talk about that. Yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> no. So far, in your opinion, how important is actual strategy in influencer campaigns? I've often seen that people just use it as a tactic, which is perfectly fine, but they have no real thought behind it. It's just kind of like, oh, we have the CVC going live. Let's just get some influencers to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, that just always works out disastrously for me. So I would love yeah. to know your thoughts on this. Um, honestly, strategy is very important because it ensures that the client has a clear direction of what they want to achieve from an influencer campaign. You can't just run an influencer campaign for the sake of it. It needs to be um, achieve, achieving clear objectives um, that you've put in place, you know, as the marketer. Um, and whether that's to drive conversion increase uh, brand awareness, drive engagement, um, it has to have a strategy. And when you have a solid strategy in place, you're also able to give the influencers a proper detailed brief uh, to work off of. 100%, which also means they're going to do an amazing job because they know exactly what's expected of them. And I also feel like when these influencer commands go out with no thought behind it, I'm like, how do you know what success looks like? How are you reporting back on this? Yeah. Um, we are so far from the days of like 2010, 2011, where we were just like, oh, you got 70 likes. That's amazing. <laughs> that, that kind of doesn't mean anything these days. 
It really does. And it has to actually translate into, into something, right? It, at the end of the day, um, all agencies or all brands, um, for that matter, have objectives and targets yeah. that they need to hit. Um, and social media, um, influencer marketing, it needs to, it needs to help you achieve those targets, not just be some like last minute wishy washy idea. Exactly. And I think coming back to your comment earlier that we can put together a campaign really, really quickly, um, but it's not ideal. So, you know, obviously those campaigns is being put together last minute. It's a bit chaotic, isn't it? Yep. Uh, last minute, anything really ever performs well. I mean, when you attend a wedding that was quickly thrown together, it is usually planned. Um, is it usually planned very well? Or do you end up having catering or wardrobe disasters on the day? Always. So, um, <laughs> exactly. So you need to give your team enough time to develop, to develop a sound strategy, source the right influencer profiles for the campaign, contact all other third parties that need to get involved, not to mention onboarding, briefing, and content creation. It all takes time. I always recommend at least two to three months of planning for larger campaigns and then a month for smaller ones. I think that is fair. Yeah. Um, just so that everyone has their ducks in a row, everyone who needs to be involved is properly involved. And there's also not that panic at the last minute. Mm -hmm. Like, how is this going to be? How is this going to roll out? And then that sigh of relief of like, it's gone well. Let's not do that to the ops teams, especially. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, Farana, last question, actually, for our chat is that I would love for you just to give us one piece of advice that you think is most important to marketers who are already using influencer marketing just to make their campaign super impactful, super effective. So I would say uh, when you're ready to dive into influencer marketing, um, be cognizant of the fact that it isn't like your typical social media campaign. So while you are the one responsible for mapping out the strategy and objectives, you need to allow the influencers to take the lead in terms of how they want to execute their content. They are the experts in their field. They know what works for their audience. So there needs to be a certain degree of trust between the brand, agency, and influencer. Um, you can guide them in terms of the do's and don'ts for your brand, but allow them the creative freedom that they need to make your campaign a success. I think that is a solid piece of advice because I understand marketers and brand managers, this brand is their baby. So mm. they want really like control over it. But yeah. with influencer marketing, please don't do that because then you might as well just put an ad out. Exactly. Let them have freedom. Let them do what they do. They're the experts, like you say, and they know mm. exactly what works for their audiences and, and what's going to tank. Precisely. So, Farana, thank you so much for joining us on Anon Influence today. I really appreciate your time and your insights. But before you go, please, can you tell everyone where they can find you online if they want to find more about you and what you do? So um, they can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's just my name and surname, Farana van Heerden. Um, they can send me a, you know, we can connect and then they can send me a message. Um, they can even just contact me on my email address. Um, it's farana.vanheerden at mediacom.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Farana, and have a lovely, lovely day. You too, Anne. Thanks so much for this. Enjoyed Great it. It's a pleasure. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt. 
the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.